Hey, how you doing there? I just wanted to take a quick second and introduce myself. My name is Dre Rocka. That's D-R-E-R-A-W-K-A. Yes, that is my legal first and last name. Don't at me. And I wanted to welcome you to my podcast, two of them. I have the Unrestricted Show with me, Dre Rocka, and that's where I get to sit down with some of my friends and we chat about life. We chat about new businesses, just everything with me and my homies. And then I also have my other podcast called the Isolation 20 Podcast, where it is mostly just me and we talk about different things from sports to uh, movies and of course the are you dumb moment where I give somebody 15 seconds of fame for being completely dumb and you know I sprinkle in some pranks in there we have a lot of fun on that podcast so definitely come on over and uh, give me a listen give me a a a try trial version if you will allrock.com is where you can find me that's a-l-l-r-a-w-k.com and I hope you have the day you deserve you know I'd I'd heard you hear all these principles, you should budget, you should get out of debt, you should, you know, invest passive income. I just didn't know how to do any of those. (laughs) So I I knew that investing in real estate yielded passive income, but I didn't know how to like, we we wrote a blog article kind of about our experience and just shared thinking anything was going to happen. And it didn't go viral, but it got a lot of attention. And so many people started reaching out to us and we thought, wow, we're like, we're not the only ones struggling with this. Hey everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Thinking Project. Happy Friday. I have a stellar guest for you today. But before I get into that, wanted to let you know all the ways that you can follow the podcast. So obviously, if you're not signed up for the newsletter, please go do that. It's Mentality Monday. You can find that on daltonkjensen.com or you can join the text group. So if you text thinking to 801-441-3705, again, that's thinking to 801-441-3705. You can stay up to date with all things The Thinking Project. You'll get special promotions from our sponsors and you'll get exclusive access to content that uh, nobody else is getting, not even the email subscribers or the Discord group. So if you want all of that good news, please, please uh, shoot me a text, 801-441-3705. Today's amazing guest was Dan Oki. He is a personal finance coach. He has an amazing outlook just on your finances in general. And we had a really refreshing conversation about the difference between personal and business finances. Uh, He has an amazing approach to budgeting. So uh, you guys will get a lot out of this. And with all that being said, please welcome Dan Oki. And thank you so much for listening. Please share this with your friends. Welcome, everybody. This is Don Jensen, and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for being here, Dan. I really appreciate it. I know we uh, bounced some dates around, but we're here and we made it. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. That's what matters is we made it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, um, to, yeah, absolutely. So to start, um, I know that you're the founder and I'm, I might butcher the name Sen- Sensi. Is Sensei. that how you say it? Yeah. Sensei. Sensei. Okay. All right. That's cool. Uh, you're, so you're the co-founder of Sensei and I believe, cause I've been following you on Facebook or on LinkedIn for a minute. I believe you're a co-founder with your wife. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. Okay. So we're definitely going to talk about that. Uh, you got a lot of, uh, that's really cool. But why don't you give us the rundown of what Sensei does or Sensei does and um, 
and what you guys are involved with. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Sensei, and that, that was the first business mistake we ever made was what we named the company because it's, it's <laughs> hard to pronounce. You have to explain it to everyone. And that's how it's called. Um, but uh, we, we focus on teaching people financial systems so they can achieve financial goals. So essentially, okay. um, we help build, we help teach people how to organize and manage their money so they can actually make financial progress. And we do so through online courses and programs. Okay, cool. Where, um, and that's really cool. And I'm sure we'll get into all of that, but where did the idea come from? Um, cause it's a pretty popular topic and I know, you know, you posted earlier today on LinkedIn that a lot of your thoughts were polarizing, you know, everybody was either like super for you or maybe vehemently against you. Right. Yeah. And where did the idea? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Great, great question. So you know, it honestly came when I when I got married and we didn't know what we were doing with money. I never went out and intended to create a company like this. Um, it, it just kind of happened <laughs> over time, uh, and uh, it happened because my wife and I really fought about money and struggled with money at the beginning of our marriage. And most of that was due to the beliefs and uh, the lack of systems I had in my life around money. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I brought a mentality that all debt was good and that I was going to be rich, massively, overwhelmingly rich someday. <laughs> and then I was not afraid to leverage anything and everything. So I went from, you know, on track to being graduating from my degree debt free to about $20,000 in credit card debt and just taking out student loans. And I was in about in a couple months and I was on track to double that every six months based off of my habits. Well, and I had no intention of stopping. Hmm. Wow. That's insane. So what? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So what happened between what happened between, you know, being on track to graduate debt free and then these ideas that like, where did the ideas come from that like there was good dad and things like that? I, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is a fantastic book. I have nothing bad to say about the book, but I applied it almost extreme because he actually tells people not to you know go into stupid debt or you know whatever um yeah i also uh joined a you know you ever seen those signs if you're in utah you drive around you see those signs that says real estate investor seeks trainee you know ten thousand oh yeah, yeah yeah like make 20 grand a month or whatever yeah 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 okay. i was young and <laughs> curious i called off one of those signs and got roped into this real estate MLM. And, uh, you know, they sell like real estate education. It's very expensive. Um, and I couldn't, the only reason I couldn't get it is because I didn't have enough credit. And so it was $20,000. So I started trying to build credit by essentially going into a lot of debt, which is really stupid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I brought that mentality and that, that, that type of behavior into the marriage. Um, and I didn't want anyone to know that I was actually living a lie. So I was, you know, leveraging everything. I could barely afford groceries. My roommates were probably the only people who actually knew the truth. Um, but I would, you know, not be able to buy food. And then I would go out and tip $100 with a bunch of friends because I wanted them to think that I was rich. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, okay. So it was, uh, I was kind of messed up uh, as far as my behavior goes. <laughs> When it came to yeah, me. but sure, sure, sure. And I think we all are. I think everybody starts out with these, 
you know, ideas uh, and and we follow, you know, some some fake financial gurus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but eventually you start sensei and eventually you kind of get back on traps track. So what was that transition like and how what lessons did you learn and what and what lessons were most valuable to you? Yeah, so I was running another company in college. It was a you know digital marketing agency, and um, okay. I wasn't managing those funds very well either. <laughs> and so <laughs> I got married, and my wife obviously wanted to know what was happening with her financial situation, um, and she was working too. And so we, you know, we didn't talk about money at all before we got married. She just kind of thought I was well off because of how I acted. <laughs> and so we got, we got into our marriage, and the truth came out, and. Um, it was, it was just a living nightmare for months. It was just disagreements, you know, anger, frustration. We really, it felt like our new marriage was going to go away um, pretty yeah. quick. And so I remember one time walking out, slamming the door and just thinking, is my money mindset or my belief about money and success more important to me than my marriage? Mm. And when I really, if I was really honest with myself, I realized that the answer was that it, it didn't matter as much as my marriage did. And I would rather be less whatever successful as I wasn't on a path to success, but I thought I was, um, yeah. you know, that, that it would be better to essentially throw my ideals away in favor of coming to terms with the reality of my situation with my wife. Yeah, that that's a hard situation. That's a hard uh, reality to face. Um, I think that every kind of budding entrepreneur, um, unless they go through you know one of your programs before they before they you know fall into the trap, I think falls into that trap, right? Like I remember mine wasn't rich dad poor dad. Mine was um, Grant Cardone, and how like you know don't you know don't be like stingy with your money and stuff like that. Um, but you eventually, you got to be like really smart about it. And you got to realize like, you're not in the same spot as these other people, right? Like Robert Kiyosaki or something like that. So it, it, it it's kind of a weird <laughs> thing that everybody tends to go through, right? Yeah, well, it is because if you, if you tend to believe in passive income, if you tend to believe in you know, entrepreneurship sure. or something, you, you, you fall into those mindsets and those are not, Grant Cardone's not a bad person. Robert Kiyosaki's right. not a bad person. Person, their books are good. They're like, they're not, I don't think they're out there intentionally trying to like teach people bad things. It's just how I applied it, how I internalized right. it was the problem. And I took it too far. Yeah. Um, yeah. Couldn't, I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, absolutely. And so anyway, just to keep going off your question, um, yeah. I still didn't know when I finally said, all right, I'm not going to do what I think I, what I have been doing. I didn't know what to do instead. <laughs> Though, sure. so I didn't, I didn't know yeah. how to come together with my wife and make a plan we both agreed on. I know I wanted to, but I didn't know how to. You know, I'd, I'd heard you hear all these principles you should budget, you should get out of debt, you should, you know, invest passive income. I just didn't know how to do any of those. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I knew that investing in real estate yielded passive income, but I didn't know how to like make my wife happy along the way to that path. And a lot of sometimes people would say, you just ignore that. And then for me, I realized I didn't want that. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't yeah. view who lost their marriages in favor of, of money, which I'd kind of deduced from speaking with them. And I realized I didn't want that. So 
We are also brought to you guys by Monarch Social. Now, Monarch Social isn't just another social media marketing company because they're going to take care of you on all your digital marketing fronts from SEO to beautifully designed websites to custom videography. And if you want to know more about that, you got to check out the video they did for me uh, on the Thinking Project Facebook group um, because it was absolutely phenomenal. They absolutely killed it. Morgan and his team take really good care of you. They walk you through every step of the process and the communication is on point. So if you need a custom video, a beautifully designed website, if you need uh, custom social media ad campaigns, Monarch Socials, where it's at. They also have a podcast they release every Friday where they bring you a ton of value. So check them out, monarchsocialbrand.com, or you can find them wherever uh, you're on social media because they're probably there too. So check them out, monarchsocialbrand.com and get your digital marketing rolling. We go where we're broke. We don't still don't have a money plan. We're like better, but we're still, you know, disagreeing about, I, I didn't want to budget. I didn't want to like, I knew I wanted to be on the same page, but I didn't want to budget. I didn't want to do what I thought essentially was middle-class financial habits. Right. And, um, <laughs> we, we go on a road trip to a friend's wedding. And at that wedding, we meet um, a friend's, uh, friends' parents, our friends' parents who were there, and we just—they were successful. They've been married a long time, and we just asked them, you know, how would you guys figure this out? How, you know, if we want to be you in thirty years, how did you do this? Uh-huh. And they just—they said some things that really resonated. They said, first off, just because you're an adult doesn't mean you know anything about how to manage money. It's something that has to be learned, and we think that because we're adults, we should just know. And that's, that's, that's actually ridiculous because just like yeah, anything yeah. has to be learned, you've had to learn everything else up into your, up in your life up until this point, you are not just going to magically know how to manage and budget and work together with somebody else and your finances, whether you're single yeah. or married, you have to learn, you have to test, you have to try. And the third yeah. thing they said was, or the second thing they said was, don't, it's, it's so much easier to figure that out from somebody who's already figured it out than to try to figure that out on your own. Well, I said, and I said, well, I've already tried that. I've tried, you know, Robert Kiyosaki. I've tried, I've, I tried to do what he told me to do. But um, I realized that that plan may have worked for just me, even though it was putting me, I was implementing it wrong. It wasn't going to work for my, for my new situation, my, my wife, my partnership that I just formed in my marriage. And so we needed something else. And they recommended Dave Ramsey and I would have rather like thrown up in a, you know, <laughs> and go to Dave Ramsey because I had taken his class in high school and I was just some old bald guy talking to me about mortgages. Um, right. <laughs> but, but, um, there wasn't, I just said, I said, okay, I'm, I'll just listen to it. I'll be open. And, um, at this point, you know, our debt is mounting. Um, it's still, we're still in the red every month and I'm still stressing out. And, and we listened to that book on that road trip home, his total money makeover book. Uh, and yeah, great book. Yeah, it is a great book. And I just said, okay, uh, it, it just, it, it answered some things for me and for my wife that we both said, we're going to do this. And we wrote out our first financial plan on a napkin we had in the car and we said, all right, it's going to take us two years to pay off this 20 grand a day. Well, we get into this process. We start, and this is maybe more than you're wanting, but I'm telling you anyway. No, no, no uh, go ahead, man. No, this is perfect. We 
we get into this process and we start trying to pay off this debt as fast as possible. And through the process, we realize that there's more people who've written about personal finance besides Robert Kiyosaki and besides Dave Ramsey. So we start reading every personal finance book we can get our hands on. We start interviewing more millionaires because we learned from that couple at the wedding. We started, you know, just talking to pretty, we, try, we, we went on a journey of trying to understand how personal finance really worked, not business finance, which is totally different. Um, totally not, different. Yep. not yep. you know, leveraging debt, but how do I emotionally manage money in a relationship for myself so that I can save to invest one day? Um, I don't want to budget just to budget. I want to actually progress. But I want to do this in a way that actually works where I can be happy and at peace now while I'm building the future. That's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we started learning from a ton of people and we started um, developing systems and we started working hard. And what we thought was going to take us two years, we actually finished in six months before we graduated from college. And oh, we're good for you. Holy cow. Yeah, that's awesome. And so we were like, wow, this is working. And we decided that we were going to, we wrote a blog article kind of about our experience and just shared thinking anything was going to happen. And yeah. it didn't go viral, but it got a lot of attention. And so many people started reaching out to us and we thought, wow, well, like, we're not the only ones struggling with this. Um, and we just started teaching people in our living room and one-on-one and we'd go to their house and teach them. We started teaching people online in group classes. And then pretty soon we developed a full-on program, which is now the personal finance accelerator. And we've had over a thousand people go through it. That's sweet, man. Holy cow. Yeah. There's a lot to kind of unpack in that story, but I really like that. I really like, you know, Dave Ramsey, you brought him up. Um, I think it's funny because I, I, so I started out in, in uh, sales and specifically, you know, we'd run into like, we call them like Dave Ramsey customer, Dave Ramseyites or whatever, yeah. right? You know, pay what it weighs and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, and so that really put a bad taste in my mouth. But, you know, and this is kind of off topic, but when, when you start like looking at it, you're like, okay, this, it's actually not that crazy. He's actually got a lot of good points. And one thing that I never missed because I, I had, I had such a jaded view at first of Dave Ramsey was, he actually does talk about like, hey, once you're once you're out of debt and once you're like stable, like don't be stingy, right? Like, yeah. do you know do things, have fun, and that's the part that I missed. And uh, anyway, I just lost. thought that was funny. Yeah, it does it get lost. It gets lost, just like in in Kiyosaki's book. It got he says mm-hmm. actually the same thing, but it got lost right. me in the middle of the passive income, nice lifestyle stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> that's what happened to me. I don't think that was everybody, but it did to me. No, it did. Well, it did. I think it does to, if you're like, if you're ambitious, you know, like you said, you were in a, in a degree, like a business degree. So if you're in that entrepreneurial spirit, you're in that business mindset, I think, I think you really are just like really gung ho. Now, um, I do want to talk to you. I mean, like we got time, but I do want to talk to you about this idea of, you know, how to manage personal finances and what, what I did a YouTube video on passive income. Um, but I, I'm curious before we like talk all about that, like what are your ideas on passive in, like how do you de- how do you define that? What do you tell people to do? Um, I don't really know your views a lot uh, on that a lot, so I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, so the question is basically what do I think about passive income? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I've I've thought a lot about passive income because I'm a huge fan, but I define it maybe a little bit differently than what okay. maybe a lot think. So 
passive income in my mind means I don't have to set up a business necessarily to get it. Right. So it's like, I'm an owner of something and it's paying me. I've invested in something. I've paid out of it. Um, I think that a lot of what people get in real estate, and I'll be careful not to contradict myself here, but (laughs) when people think passive income, I feel like most of the time they think real estate. And when you are an owner of a real estate property, you essentially own a business because you're renting out that, that property. It's, you may get an automated check, but you still have to do work. And so in my mind, the, the pure passive investment is when I just give somebody money and I get a check back once a year with a report. Um, <laughs> I don't have to do anything. Um, if I own an automated yeah. business and I'm completely out of it and have somebody's running everything for me, that that can be passive income. But it's different okay. than, than if I actually own something and I actually have to do work to receive that income. Mm-hmm. What I think instead, what most people are actually describing is what I call the passivity ratio which is essentially increasing the amount of money that I earn per, per, per hour without having to necessarily do any work. So if I own a rental real estate property with four doors and I'm cash flowing 2,500 a month, then, and I have to do, you know, two and a half hours of work a month, then yeah. my, my passivity ratio is, is really, is really good. And I'm not going to do the mental math on that because I tried earlier today and I failed. So <laughs> but, but essentially, you can still do work, but you ac- increase the amount of money you earn per hour without necess- and, and decrease the amount of time it takes to earn that money. And I think yeah. that people should focus on their passivity ratio rather than this ambiguous anamorphous entity called passive income, which mm. is ex- is is can lead you down some roads that, that don't, don't, don't pay off well. Um, that's, that's my first piece to that. If you want to break that down, we can. Um, second, I think most people, if you chase passive income, you're often doing so because you want freedom or you don't want to work or you want to mm-hmm. just have it to be able to do something else that you care about more. In my mm-hmm. experience, and from interviewing so many people and talking to people who have achieved financial freedom, you have to come to a reckoning at some point that that end goal is not meaningful. <laughs> that just being sure. paid 10 a month passively or owning something that does that. Um, it, it, at the end of the day, you still have to find meaning somehow. And so mm-hmm. if you are trying to find passive income, so you don't have to do things, it often tends to make it so that you don't actually do the things that will yield to getting, even be able to get to that point because it takes work to build passive income strains, like a lot of it. And most <laughs> passive income that's advertised is not easy. Um, yeah. So I, we hit a point in our business where I didn't have to work anymore. Okay. It, just, it was all automated. Somebody else could run everything. And I didn't have to do anything else anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course. Um, I could go do whatever I wanted. And I realized that even if, even at that point, I still wanted to be reaching more people. I still wanted to be building, even though it was covering all of my expenses, I still can. Yeah. And so then I stuck with it and, and I still do that because I want to. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. it's important that instead of waiting till you receive financial freedom or achieve financial freedom, whatever 
you define that as that you find meaning and chase meaning now because financial freedom, if you're not, you've got, it takes a ton of work and a ton of time. And if you don't have meaning along the way, then it's not just going to magically appear once you arrived. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. I like that because a lot of people do think that money is going to solve all their problems. And, and I'm not the guy who says, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, but I, but I am, I'm, I'm along the same lines as you, like you gotta, you know, there has to be something else, right? Something bigger than that. And that's Absolutely. what, and that's what you teach you. And that's what I'm assuming then you teach in your financial programs and your financial methods is how to find maybe meaning outside of money while you're, while you're someone's getting out of debt or while they're trying to reach their goals. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of, of what a lot of people would say Dave Ramsey's best known for is I do think people should pay off their, their debt. I'm okay with business debt. I'm okay with, you know, people using credit cards to get points and things like that, but you've got to be very clear about it. And I think people can get in danger there. But yeah, debt free six month emergency fund. I would recommend that to pretty much everybody. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, that's besides a mortgage because everyone's like, well, in my house too. No, anything that's appreciating or growing, I, I, I'm okay with. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, that's cool. Okay. The, the, yeah, the meaning meaning in, in life and in money. I mean, when you, what we really teach people is if you're, if you're budgeting or trying to work on money just for money's sake, then you'll never have an it and you'll always be behind because someone else yeah. is always making more money. But if you can find meaning, if you can find the thing that you're committed to, whether that's something that you truly deeply carely pass, are passionate about, then comparison becomes irrelevant because you're confident in your plan and your direction and you're finding meaning in that. When I have a plan and I know I'm getting out of debt with my partner or myself personally, and I know that's what I'm doing and I'm committed to that and I'm finding meaning in that progression in that, then it doesn't matter if my friend bought a Tesla because I can be happy for them and still progress down my path. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and everybody's path is different. I think that's, I think a lot of uh, young people, um, especially when you talk about money. So like, yeah, I got my degree in accounting. And my mm -hmm. first little small business for me was like helping small businesses manage their money. And so finance and sales, like that's my, that's my bread and butter. And where I feel like a lot of young people get mixed up is number one, they listen to financial gurus who are talking more about business finance than they are about personal finance. And that's not good. Mixing the two, you know, well, I just think that like, if you confuse the two, that's not good. Yes. That's a better way of saying yes. it, right? That's correct. Because it's totally different. <laughs> It, it um, totally is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. Leverage yeah. in a business thing can make serious sense. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. Um, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in my personal life, I'm staying away as far that as far from that as possible. And and um mm -hmm. we like to rationalize. I see this all the time with our clients. We like to rationalize that it's okay, it's not that bad, it's not that much debt. What people don't realize is when you truly become debt free and mm -hmm. at least in, on your personal side, um, mm -hmm. that you are, it, it allows you to gain skills to manage your money so you can save more money to invest. It reduces risk so you can invest more effectively and efficiently. And it empowers you and catapults you to almost being able to achieve goals beyond that so much faster because you learned how to, to do something quickly. And mm -hmm. I think people should get out of debt more for the skills gained and, and the empowering nature of that, of what happens when you can literally look at your finances and not owe anybody any consum 
be in debt to anybody and on a consumer side mm-hmm. of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say that is really powerful. Like to know that like, Hey, you don't have any debt. Um, and I think, and you know, even Dave Ramsey will say like the only debt he's okay with is house debt. And then he even has some specifics around like how, how you do that or whatever. But um, no, but that, that's a, it is a really powerful thing. And, and I think people, yeah, I just, you know, I just get, I get really fired up about uh, finance because I have seen how people get so confused and then they go on these crazy rants. So like, for instance, like, what are, what are your thoughts on credit? Like credit cards specifically or home equity lines of credit? Or- well, just like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google, let me, let me like, um, like your credit score. Oh, yeah. So I, I think, I think, I mean, Dave will say you pretty much don't need one. Um, sure. I, I think you do. <laughs> I think, okay. I also, I also think that you shouldn't make financial decisions though, in the name of building your credit score. So here's one I see all the time that I think is, is a mistake. People will go out and finance a car in the name of building credit. Um, okay. And, and here's why it's the mistake. You don't need, it, it will help. People will tell you, buy this car, finance this car, it'll help you build credit. It will. It's not, it's not that yes. they're lying to you, but it's not the way you need to do it. And what happens is people end up buying a bigger or more expensive car than they actually need in the name of, we're trying to build credit than if they actually thought about intentionally said, this is the car I really, we really actually need right now. Here's how much it costs. We're going to buy that and save up for that. And if people thought more intentionally about it, they wouldn't need to go buy the thirty thousand, twenty to thirty thousand dollar car. They can yeah, buy the okay. one that's more, you know, more realistic for their situation. Yeah. So, so, so you're kind of saying that, um, and I and I and I appreciate that sentiment as well. You you know, you're kind of saying like, be just be smart about it. Like, you don't need to go finance a hundred thousand dollar car or like a fifty thousand dollar car to build credit, right? There's other right. ways to do that without getting massively in debt. Right. And if you want to buy a thirty, forty thousand dollar car because you want it, then then do it. <laughs> don't don't do it in the name of credit because you don't need that car singularly to build your credit score. It will sure, help sure. you. You don't need it. Um, no, absolutely. And, and and how we we taught that. So a credit score really is just a measurement of how you get debt to get more debt. Dave says that, and it's true. Um, mm-hmm. He. It's just how am I? How do you currently use the credit that's available to you, um, mm-hmm. so you can get more? And mm-hmm. we we found that people can singularly build their credit score to you know over over seven twenty over over seven fifty in, in about six uh, even six months to about a year just by sure. putting every purchase on a credit card and then paying that off every month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, like bills that you already know you have to pay, you put them on yeah. a credit card and then, you, and then you build that off. And really, so I worked with credit forever. Like, funny yeah. enough, I was a, I was a car finance manager. So I was the guy yeah. who you went into the office and then did all the finance. I'm talking about so, you, Dalton. That's right. No, well, I would tell people that too. I'd be like, they're like, oh yeah, it's going to build my credit. And I'm like, well, like I learned though, I got kind of jaded with credit because mm-hmm. I learned I saw the other, the, I saw the back side of credit, which is like, it's just to me, after I got out of that, like, I'll never, you know, I'd build your credit score. I don't have a good credit, but I learned a few things like number one, like 
you your once your credit score gets above a certain like once it gets above like 700 it really doesn't matter anymore like the difference between a 720 score and a 900 score is nothing i could get a 900 score the best rate and and a 700 the best rate so that was the other thing people just think like the higher your score the better something is i don't know really what right something um but then like credit is is this idea that you know somebody will give you an umbrella i heard this analogy and i and i've kept it i don't know who said it originally or who told me but um you know credit is this idea that somebody gives you an umbrella when it's sunny and takes it away when it's raining (laughs) and uh (laughs) and i'm like i just saw it I, i mean i just i don't know it just was like to me it was um it just turned it just turned into a racket. Like I'm not a big conspiracy guy unless we're talking about uh transunion, equifax, and experian. Oh, oh, man. Cons- wow, you argue. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I really feel that you're that you're right. That I, I just I, I really and it's it's because people just don't know how it works. And they just don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Once you know how it works, it's like, oh, you know, I'm gonna get the same mortgage rate if I have above you know, we just bought a house. I'm we're mm-hmm. As long as we had above a seven thirty, we it didn't matter. Yeah, it, it literally right. wouldn't do anything else for us. Yeah, um, yeah. As far as they told us, um, yeah. and, and so you know, it's it's just understanding, and that's what's so important about financial literacy. That's why I, I I want. That's why I realize that this is what I care about. What I want to do with my life is because mm-hmm. understanding these things helps you make better decisions. That you know helps you avoid a lot of pitfalls. Helps you avoid the time, the traps that, uh, that <laughs> set you back. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we don't teach enough about, I don't think, you know, we teach enough, like, I don't think enough good people teach about money. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, cause I, you know, because it's also like we live, um, you know, we live in America and I do think that the little guy can get ahead, but I also think that it's, it's going to be a little harder. You have to be more intentional to use that phrase you used earlier. You know, you got to be a little more intentional about where your money goes. So let's talk about the, the rules, you know, your rules around money, your rules around personal finance, you know, and I don't, and I definitely want people to go look at your course and and to look you up. But if there are some like, you know, if there's some non-negotiables that you have about money, what are those? Yeah. Non-negotiables around money. Um, for me, it's, it's first off, you, you, you have to know what your next goal is because in my opinion, that is the base of everything else you should be formulating your decisions around. So I'm, I'm all for what we've developed in the, in the name of goal-based finance, goal-based budgeting, Mm -hmm. goal-based decision-making. I don't, I don't want to budget. I don't want to sit down and track my finances. Because it's so boring. <laughs> but, but if I know that by doing so, I'm actually going somewhere, then yeah. it's a lot more exciting. It's a lot more entertaining. I know yeah. there's a reason to say no to certain things. If it's just because I need to live within my means, I'm, like, I'm not going to stick with that for 30, 40 days. <laughs> <laughs> who who yeah. cares? Um, but if it's, if it's wow, I'm, I want no debt. And I want a six-month emergency fund, so I've got a solid foundation, so I can go invest in, and build wealth. And then I, I want to yeah. be able to invest ten thousand dollars a year into stocks or crypto or, or real estate, you know, or whatever that amount is. You know, sure. it all starts with the goal. So if you don't have a singular, clear financial goal, 
non-negotiable. Cool. And that's important, you know, because um, people really underestimate goals. They really do. And it, it may be like, gosh, do I really need a goal? What, you know, what, why the freak do I need to like pick something? Well, it's because here's, here's why. One is because you're, you already feel that you have to do all these different things already. You already feel that you should be paying off debt. You already feel like you need to be investing. You need to feel like you need, you need a, a, a savings fund. You probably need to buy a car yeah. or go buy a house. And there's all these things that you want to do. And what yeah. happens is when you feel like you have to do them all at once. It's overwhelming and exhausting. You end up doing none of them because you're trying to put pennies in like six different buckets. So yeah, it, it provides so much clarity if you can just say, this is what I'm focusing on right now. This is the one thing, and, and I will build a roadmap of a step-by-step process of how those other other goals, all those other goals are going to fit in line. So I know they're coming. Yeah. I know I'm going to get to them. But today, all I have to worry about is this. And that provides mm. so much clarity, so much focus, so much direction. And yeah. you know, we have opinions on what that order should be. But at the end of the day, somebody who picks one goal and goes after it and gets after it and builds a roadmap will outperform the person who's trying to do two to five and <laughs> every time. Yeah. That's a common theme that I, that I find with um, good financial coaches like yourself or good financial advisors or whoever. Right. Um, because I was talking about, I, I was talking to, I don't know if you know, Dave Lowell, he's kind of on. Oh yeah. LinkedIn. Dave's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Dave. So Dave is a friend of the show. He's been on the podcast before. And he gave, you know, similar advice that you, you just gave, which is like um, any plan, almost any plan is better than no plan. Right. You know? <laughs> He's like, what do I tell clients to do? Whatever they're going to do, which I thought was <laughs> very, very basic, but very powerful at the same time. <laughs> but hey, yeah. yeah. If you haven't looked at Dave, you should definitely go check him out on LinkedIn. For, for He's, cool. He's awesome. Um, I 100% agree with that. You know, Sometimes we get tempted to feel like, hey, we've got this specific way. We definitely have a specific method, a specific system that we teach people. Yeah. I, yeah, I, would, be stupid. I would be stupid to say this is the only way to succeed financially. Yeah, of course. Because it's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way yeah, I not. doing the most piece that I've seen be replicated consistently across the most am- amount of people. And that's why I teach it. But if there's a better yeah. way, I would teach that way that I found. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, and I think it's cool for, you know, I put this out on Twitter the other day, um, but I think it's important for people to, you know, follow a few different favorite financial people, right? Like if you, if your finance is your thing, I would follow a few of them. Um, Cause I'm a, I'm a sales guy, you know, I'm a salesman, I'm a sales coach and a trainer. And one of my favorite quotes is if you, you know, if you steal from one person, it's plagiarism. But if you steal from 10, it's called research. Right. <laughs> and so that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Just do research, you know. <laughs> Just start fitting in things that work, you know. Yeah, I, I, I really, I, I think you're wise. And I, you know, it's not just with finance. You can do that with anything, right? I mean, how many sales coaches and sales trainers are there? Yeah. Diamond <laughs> I, I, and one method that's worked for me on that too is like, okay, pick someone, try to live that, see what you like, see what you don't like. And then you, you're not stuck with it. You're not married to that person. Like you can go, right. you can go yeah. about somebody else and see what they're doing if there's a better way. Um, yeah. Be curious, be open, you know, have, have strong beliefs when you find something that works, but 
don't be afraid that you could be wrong and that there's a better way. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's such a good point. You're talking about don't be afraid to, to be wrong um, because, you know, you have time and uh, you, and it's just learning. And I really don't feel like you can be wrong if you're trying to better yourself and go down a good path and you're trying to do it the, the right way, right? Like um, totally. a lot of us, you know, a lot of us couldn't be here without some of the mistakes that we made, um, you know. So for a like a a light example would be like this podcast, like, dude, so many mistakes have been made <laughs> getting yeah. to this point, but it's fun. And, you know, and you lose some people along the way, but you gain some on the way. And it's like, all right. And everybody who's here today is, are, is supposed to be here. So it's cool. Um, but I, but I am, you know, I kind of want to talk, you know, one of the things that you want to talk about was achieving goals and your ideas around goals, goal setting. And I, and I'm always fascinated by that. So how can people, um, you know, choose what goals to set and then what kind of, if there's like an over, if there's like an umbrella plan to get those, like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that the right, so yeah, the question, if I'm answering correctly is how do people choose what goal to set and then how do they achieve? It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm long winded, so, but yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I want to make sure I'm answering the right question. So you're, yeah, you're awesome. The I've used kind of one one question to, to guide really pretty much every goal I've ever set, and I got it from Gary Keller in the book The One Thing. Oh, I love what's that the, great book. What's the one thing that if I did it would make everything else unnecessary or irrelevant? So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, here's how I set my goals and phrase them. So after I do some deep introspection around that question and think about that, you know, if mm-hmm. I'm stressed about multiple things, list all those things out and then say, all right, what's the one thing that if I did, it would make all these things unnecessary or irrelevant or non-stressful. Um, and then find the answer to that thing. And then, okay, it's, it's achieving this. So let's, let me give maybe some more concrete examples. Um, I have, uh, let's say I have a side hustle and I have a full-time job and I have a family and I have extra, I have a couple extra hundred dollars every month. And I, and there's things slipping through the cracks. I feel stressed out. I don't feel like I'm succeeding. I feel like I'm falling behind. The car needs to be re-registered. The tires need to be changed. Um, I'm behind on my email. There's other products. I'm not going to hit my quota. If I'm, you know, whatever those things are. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, and so in that regard, I have a, a lack of time is, is this, is the problem. So, or I have a lack of time or I've committed to too many things. And that's most of us. It's like impossible to do. It's <laughs> <laughs> required of us nowadays. So yeah, for sure. what are the solutions to that? I can say no to certain things. I can, you know, cut the fat and mm-hmm. get rid of stuff off my plate. Sometimes that's not possible. Mm-hmm. And so if that's not possible, then I need to not have to do all these things myself. And so when I was in that situation, I realized that the one thing that I need to do was hire a virtual assistant. And I paid them like two to 300 bucks a month. And they started streamlining all my emails to one place. They started scheduling appointments for me. They started, you know, putting things on my calendar. They helped me, you know, just... I need you to set something on my calendar so I remember to transfer my old 401k to my <laughs> roll it over. <laughs> I haven't done for two yeah. years. I'm being lazy about it, right? You know, yeah. it's, and um, 
that has made so much difference and made everything else unnecessary or irrelevant because now I'm not the one who has to worry and stress about all those things. I now have help and it costs me two to $300 a month. And that's freed up time to then grow my income and do things beyond. Oh so, yeah, absolutely. So here's another example of that. Um, right now, um, Sensei is, uh, is, is really poised for growth. Um, we've done a lot of things to get customers, but we need to, we're identifying the channels that um, would be the best for us. So what's the one channel that if I pursued it, that would allow all of this other stress about how to get customers would be the most, you know, would make it all un- unnecessarily relevant to pursue all the other ones. Um, mm-hmm. and, or easier. Or easier. Or easier. To or easier. And so yeah. it, just, it just allows some framework. A lot of the time when we feel confused or not knowing where to go next, it's because we're not, we're just experiencing the thoughts. We're not looking at them through any lenses or understanding how to approach them. So the second yeah. thing that after you've made that decision, okay, you're able to answer that question, set a timeline and be very descriptive on how long you'll focus on that. So I'm all for three month commitments and six month commitments. Um, let's say I decided that the best thing I could do for sensei is really dial in my Facebook ads and triple my ad spend. Well, mm-hmm. I'm, what happens is you go down that path. It's so easy to see shiny objects like, oh man, that looks easier. That looks like that might have actually. I picked the wrong thing. Maybe yeah. I did, but you don't know until you go down the path. And so it's so helpful to just say, I'm committing to this plan for three months or for six months, and I'm not going yeah. down any other path until I've done this, tried this for three to six months. And if you are unwilling yeah. to do then you, that's probably not the thing that you should pick to do. Yeah. Because no matter what wow, you pick, great. you are going to run into barriers. You're going to run into obstacles. <laughs> so having that commitment, make sure that you keep going even when it gets tough and you don't jump to the next shiny thing that looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're talking to someone with ADHD. I'm always going to take the shiny route, man. Come on. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, that's... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, that's uh I really like that though. It's it's true. You just have to commit to something and not and commit to it because that's you know, and by the way, that's one of my favorite books. I read I read The One Thing by Gary Keller a long time ago and it's something that I reread and I keep going back to because um it's amazing how many thing how many problems we have to solve have s- simple solutions. Like could you imagine like I, I, I got that book and then I read the first sentence and I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I was like, this guy's one question, really? And then I kept reading it because I was like, this guy's full of crap. But it was like the best question ever. It's like, how do you figure out what to do next? I don't know. What's the what's the one thing that would make everything easier? That's a great question. <laughs> and Yeah, you're like, all right, so no brainer, man. So no brainer. And I'm sure you run as like a coach you know, and a consultant and and a trainer. I'm sure you run into that people telling you it can't be this simple. Oh yeah. Well, I think sometimes people get into our program and they're like, it's like simply like, duh, like, Oh yeah. (laughs) But, but until you, until you commit to it, until you do it, you don't experience the power. One of my other favorite quotes, Stephen Covey, seven habits is knowing and not doing is not knowing until you've done it. You don't know. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think uh, I think we need more 
you know, in a world where there's so much information, like I get, you know, it's so hard to get off LinkedIn every day, but um, it's so <laughs> yeah. to, to be doing things and to be committed to something. So when you commit to a path, you gain skills, you gain perseverance, you gain attributes. One example of that, and then I'll let you ask something if I feel like I'm talking too much, um, is when we first started Sensei, we tried to get on as many podcasts as we could. And we didn't, um, we went on like a couple dozen and we didn't really get any sales growth. From like there wasn't like, it wasn't like we got all this flood of customers from going on a podcast. Sure. Um, sure. And now I don't, that could have been us. It could have been the podcast we were on. It's not all podcasts. It's very successful, but it wasn't <laughs> like at the beginning, it didn't work to get us what we were hoping. It would. Sure. Well, we had committed to that for a time period and we switched off. But two years later, we're looking for partners to help share our free budgeting resources to help share, you know, help get clients because people watch our free class. They, they want to talk to us. They, we book them. And we were able to reach back out to the people we'd been on a podcast with who hadn't gotten us any customers and found out they had an email list of over 100,000 people. They then sent out the class and then, you know, we made tens of thousands of dollars from that, but the relationship had already been established because yeah. we committed to that path. When we had committed to the new path later on, we had developed resources that didn't yield anything originally, but did later on. And so oh, yeah. Yeah. commitment to a path, to a goal, in my, I would argue will yield more, more results and benefits long-term, even if it doesn't do what you were hoping it would do in the short term. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think a great mindset to have like no wasted effort. Um, you know, I'm pretty stoic in, in the way I believe in the sense that like I, my grandpa used to say you are where you're supposed to be. And he was talking about church, but I yeah. took the lesson as I went older and I was like, Oh yeah. Like the right where you are right now is exactly where you're supposed to be. And then, yeah. And then you foster those relationships. You, you, you keep, networking and, and things like that. And it pays off. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and by the way, it might've taken them two years to get that huge email list. Right. You know? So right. you're like, but the, but the, yeah, but who wouldn't do that? It'd be like, Hey, we came on your podcast two years ago when, when you were new, I'll tell you as a podcaster, um, the people who said yes to me at the beginning, I, I'm like, uh, the people who say yes to me, period. So many people say no to me. The people who say yes to me, period, always get first dibs. <laughs> they always yeah. get first dibs. No, that's because that's, uh, that you, you you built a relationship. You felt you know felt the trust with them, kind of. Mm -hmm. yeah. For sure, for sure. Well, uh, that's and that's it. And so you're helping people build money. You're helping people get financially free. You're teaching them all the good things. Um, do you go now? Uh, this is something that uh, one of the last things I want to talk about. Um, do you go into schools? Cause I've heard like teaching, like talking in schools to like entrepreneurially in schools is a big thing here in Utah. So, um, I just moved to North Carolina. Um, so I have, oh. I like a month ago. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Did that because I wanted to try something different. It was a, you should, North Carolina is beautiful. Yeah, we've really been impressed with it. There are definitely things about Utah we miss, such as the entrepreneurial community. Um, yeah. But uh, really liked, liked it out here so far. Um, have I gone into schools? I think schools are so, you know, need 
all the financial education they can get. I think there's something that I would say to this that people have disagreed and probably would disagree with me saying this, but I've found that financial information education is often most relevant when it can be applied. I had all the, uh, you know, I took in high school, I had a financial class. I had, you know, I had a mom who taught me how to sat me down and said, this is how you budget, you know, build a bank account, build an investment account for me. But I wasn't paying taxes. I was earning money and wanting to spend it on my friends. Like until I really became an adult and was on my own, the relevancy of the things that I had learned didn't, didn't matter as much. And I would have needed someone basically to sit me down and say, Hey, you really need to invest this much a month because then by the time you're 30, you're going to have a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay. I think just general information in schools, it's not going to hurt, but I, and unless it's applied, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's tough. You're right though. Yeah. You're right. Cause I, you know, I, cause I, uh, if you think doing your taxes is boring, you should read a textbook on taxes. Right. That's even worse. You know what I'm saying? And people go like, Oh, I wish they would have taught me taxes in high school. You'd have skipped that class. I would have skipped that class too. <laughs> no, you wouldn't have. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna care about like, all right, I'm not filing taxes for like, you know, I'm gonna right because to your point, right? There's no relevance. Like, I don't have to worry about this for a long time. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's very interesting. So, so I, I guess then, because I am really fascinated right now, uh, and have been for a long time about like disrupt the disrupting the current education system. Yeah. There's got to be something because that's a big one, right? Like you can, yeah, we can teach 16, 17, 18, 19 year olds about taxes. But most of the time, if you're, if you're 18 and you have one job and you're single, like that's not a hard tax form to fill out, you know, right? <laughs> it's, right. it's a couple questions on H and R block and they charge you way too much money and they file it. You know what I mean? Um, so that, that's interesting though. Uh, that just kind of got my wheels turning, but well, I appreciate Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. There are 18 year olds that are high schoolers that benefit from education information that may have their total wheelhouse changed. Yes, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are. I just, my guess is that the majority, and so we should probably still do it. I just, like you said, how we, how do we teach principles that actually stick, that they can apply, that they can get excited. They can begin investing then somehow, you know, that they can, they can see the power of managing money at that age. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think the, the key that changing education is, is to, uh, is to allow people, students to experience things more than just necessarily learning about them in, in a classroom, which again, I am not a teacher, so I'm not there all the time. Sure. And <laughs> sure. It's wonderful work and I'm really grateful. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get, Hey, I get blowback from teachers. I'm like, look, we, something's got to change. And I, I've got family who, who are teachers. I've got um, a whole side who's, who's in education, but I'm, and so we get in talks about that all the time. Probably one of the reasons that I do, but, but I'm just like, yeah, we got to find a way to disrupt that and, and make it, uh, make it a little more relevant, make it a little more today, you know, because I heard an interesting statistic as I went down that rabbit hole that like, you know, for digital marketing, like take digital marketing, for example, like, to get into a call, like for information to get into that digital marketing class, um, it usually takes a certain amount of time. Like it's not like immediate, right? Like if Snapchat comes on the scene tomorrow with something hot and new, 
that's disrupting the space, that's not going to be in the classroom tomorrow. No. You know what I'm saying? No. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, it might no. take a year. I heard two or three years. I think that might be a little slow, but it's definitely in that one to two and a half. You know what I mean? And then you're done. And then what? And then, it, you know. And then it could like, be done by then. And same thing, I think, with yeah. technology, right? Um, right, right. One of the things I think this is an interesting conversation we could have probably another two hours talking about. But, um, yeah. One of the things I think is interesting being in the online education space because our program is an online course and yes. is, is we've gone out and we've started to connect with people who teach things we don't. So oh, that's cool. here's a real estate course. Here's a cryptocurrency course. And we started to like add all these things into one place and almost build a curriculum off of other people's content and, and kind of be the gatherer of content that we then sell to people rather than, you know, it has to be a one-stop mm-hmm. shop for all things because I'm not an yeah. expert. Thanks. Right. Right. Well, and I, well, I was funny. I was having this conversation the other day as well. Um, that almost kind of goes into this education disruption. And that is, you know, people are so focused on being creators. Um, and the world right now, like right now in the world, we're past the point of data collection. And so I was having this conversation that like so many people are creators and not enough people are curators. Mm-hmm. Like that would be an interesting thing so, to so explore. Expand on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you have people creating courses. Like I have, I have a sales course and I have a course that teaches people how to become a virtual assistant um, if they want to make some money. Right. So I have these two courses that I've created. So, and I do a podcast. So I would use that virtual assistant example earlier. Go check out this course. Yeah. 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 Well, I got, but it's cool though. Like people, you know, it's a really easy way to make a thousand bucks and whose life wouldn't change with an extra thousand dollars a month. Right. Um, so you have this creator stage, which is amazing. And then I think people could make a lot of money being curators. So curating, um, Big, that's what a college is. Like what's an MBA course? That's a curation of principles that that school or that um, accreditation requires you to know. Like it's a curated uh, course yeah. of things yeah. that somebody else thinks you need to know. And yeah. I think it would be cool. And, 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 and so how, what's the difference between Harvard and Southern Utah University? It's the cure. It's who curated the course. Yeah. Yeah. It's who curated the classes. Like we, we think that guy's a better curator. And so um, how do you bring stuff together? And uh, I think, I think the future of, of social media is going to be curation and not creation. It's the gathering. Yeah. That's when I started to experience that, you know, who I gather the audience that I have gathered. Um, Now Mm -hmm. I'm not able to, you know, I've got, we, if I am able to reach 40,000 people who are interested in the stuff I'm talking about, like I am now, right. and that just keeps growing, I can start to curate <laughs> more, more content and more programs that I don't have to build and say, hey, this is valuable to know in the realm of the things that we're talking about. Yeah. So as a sales trainer for me, um, yeah, I don't have any like, you go read my book or you, you take my little course or you, you say, like, I don't have anything new, but I've curated this sales process that I think that has worked for me and that I think is absolutely amazing. So I haven't created a new sales process, but I've curated a better one. (laughs) And that's kind of how I pitch it. Like, 
so that people don't think like, yeah, he's just stealing all that stuff. Like I said before, if I steal from you, one, you it's did research. You did research. I just did research, man. <laughs> so anyway, um, anyway, I thought, yeah, that was that's fun. It goes to you know to kind of your what you're doing. You know, <clears throat> you have a you have one course, but then can I curate another course, some other courses? So like when people graduate mine, what can they do next, and how can I bring value? I think that's amazing what you're doing there. So um, that's great. And I appreciate your time. I know we're coming up. Uh, I don't, you know, you're more than generous with it. It's Friday. I'll give you your weekend for sure. But before we go, um, please tell everybody where they can find you, where they can grab your uh, course and your information and everything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Dalton. It's been awesome. Um, I'm, I'm most active on LinkedIn, Dan Oki, And then... Um, if you want to see our approach to finances, we do have a free budgeting class of the four budgeting mistakes most people make and how to fix them to achieve your goals. That's on our website, www.senseifinancial.com, www.senseifinancial.com. And uh, that's on our website. I think he'll also include a link directly to it in the show notes. Yep, that'll be there. Well, thank you so much, boss. I appreciate your time. Um, great speaking with you. Really enjoyed it.